When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, my nan absolutely adored him, and we got her number 18 on the back of her shirt, which is Kermigan's number. Uh, uh, and instead of Jan Kermigan, we got Nan Kermigan. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Football soccer. At the end of the day. Football. It's a funny old game. Comedians talking about football. Comedians talking about football. Comedians talking about football. How you doing guys? Welcome to episode 16 of Comedians Talking About Football. I'm Sam Michael and we're about to talk all things AFC Bournemouth with the brilliant Andrew White. But just before then, I want to let you know that in a few episodes time we're going to come to the end of series two of the podcast. Yeah, that's right. As uh, the 2020-2021 season comes to the end, so must the series. Uh, but I thought I'd finish off, maybe we'd end things with a special where I'm going to bring back a few previous guests and maybe we can answer some uh, listeners' questions. I get a few tweets every now and then um, and it'd be really great to answer them all in one special episode. So if you have a question for us, and keep them comedy and football related, I don't want to be answering questions about vaccines or is the world flat. Um, uh, <laughs> so if you have a question for us, uh, then do please uh, get in touch, drop us an email, uh, comedians talking about football at gmail.com, or you can get hold of us on Twitter or, or Instagram, where you should be following us anyway. We've got the same handle for both at comtalkfootypod. That's at comtalkfootypod. You can drop us a message on Instagram or Twitter. So, yeah, get in touch, uh, drop us a question, and I guarantee we're going to answer every single one. So, yeah. Today's episode, then, is all about AFC Bournemouth, and we recorded this episode as AFC Bournemouth had just flown into the playoffs, the championship playoffs, and I'm recording this intro literally as Bournemouth have just gone 1-0 up against Brentford in the first leg of the playoffs, and if all goes to plan and I get my editing arse in gear, then this should go out between the first and second leg. Um, 
therefore Andrew's optimism uh, is kind of uh, well we'll see won't we if you're listening to this down the line and Bournemouth got promoted brilliant if you're listening down the line and they crashed out having been 1-0 up in the first leg uh, yeah so anyway right so this is Andrew White talking all things AFC Bournemouth and to introduce him a bit of mini birch Already had a dream at minus 17. We had no monies, we brought the players on loan. Oh, we play from the back with pace and attack. He went to Burnley, but then he came back. Already had a dream with minus 17. We had no monies, we bought the players on loan Oh, we played from the back With pace and attack He went to Burnley, but then he came back So, I'm here with Andrew White. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Sam. How are you? I'm very well. You doing okay? I'm good, yeah. We're recording this on a very hot evening. It is. It's very warm, and I've not been out all I've, I've had zoom calls and stuff all day so this i've just seen the sun slowly slip away from me <laughs> oh bless you so, so i'm going to capture your last few hours of uh, sunlight <laughs> it's a lovely sunny day as i said here at the vitality stadium uh as i like to introduce all my guests by going down to the stadium where we're recording and i like mm. that you said just before we started that that is a very common phrase used on fifa Oh yeah, really, every time I load up a career mode, I reckon that's every other game they'll say, very sunny day here at the Vitality. <laughs> I love FIFA commentators. They're just, there's something that they'll never, no matter how well the development gets for any football game, whether it be Pro Evo, whether it be FIFA, they're never going to quite get the commentary right. And I love that. Uh, what they should do is they should just program in some like really, because you know, like commentators always come up with some ridiculous phrases, yeah. but make them like super rare, like one in a million games. So just occasionally they'll just say some ridiculous analogy and then you'll be like, oh, maybe it is like a real commentator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would make sense. They, they do just sort of have, they try and make it realistic sometimes by having a bit of a discussion, but they'll come at really weird times. So you'll just do like an amazing kind of bit on the ball leading up to the most amazing goal you've ever scored. And they're there going, well, Reading have had a few seasons in the top flight. It's been hit and miss since then. And well, you're right there. They've had a difficult few seasons on shot goal. It's just it's really <laughs> random. Have you been playing a lot of FIFA in lockdown? No, I haven't actually. I um, I played it for like about a, a stint of a month, and then I've just packed the Xbox away, and I've not played it since. That's just that's very good control there for me. I think I, mm. that's all I've been playing a lot really in in lockdown. It's um, I think it was poorly timed because I got back into it mm. just towards the end of last season's Premier League, and then I fell out of love with football for um no reason. <laughs> Well, well, let's talk about, I was going to start with, let's talk about, I'm sure, a time where you were in love with football. And that is between mm-hmm. 2015, 2020. Yeah. Uh, you spent five seasons in the Premier League, which is, I think, mm-hmm. incredible for Bournemouth, especially that they were written off quite early on. And um, only from the fact that that happens to all new teams when they come up. There's this kind yeah. of, well, they won't survive sort of attitude to them. And so if we go back to your last season in the Championship, Eddie Howe, uh an amazing 
individual, not just for Bournemouth fans, but I think for a lot of football fans really respect him. You know, there's a lot of eye on him still on where he'll go next. Not that you want to talk mm-hmm. about that. Let's talk about his time at Bournemouth. So what yeah. was the feeling as you were... Because I... I didn't follow Bournemouth too much that season in the championship. I wouldn't have put them down like a lot of people as a team who would have gone up. Did you mm. feel confident from the very early on that they were going to make that instant jump up to the Premier League? Or um, I was definitely hopeful. I don't think I would never imagine the season we had. I think our first our first game we won like four 0 and uh, I put a, a screenshot of the league on Facebook. Like, well, end the season now. We're, we're winning it, and then. Uh, <laughs> several months later we, we did which was good but I kind of I was kind of hoping for playoffs at best I mean we've we've kind of been around those playoff places before then um the season before I think we like finished 10th or something like that so it wasn't you know it wasn't beyond the realms of possibility to fight for a promotion push but I, I never imagined winning it like the way we did yeah I mean and it, all credit well you had a great team that that goes without saying but a lot of the credit goes to Eddie Howe um what was the feeling with Eddie Howe? Because obviously he he sort of started his management career there at, then at Bournemouth. He went off to um, he went off to Burnley for a little while and came back. Was he always in your mind the one manager who would get you to the Premier League if there ever was a manager to get you there? Um, well, it's hard for me to I I because I I probably got into football when I was about eight or nine. Uh, my first football game was under Eddie Howe, mm. so. I've literally never known other other than that stint when he went went to Burnley. Yeah. Um, which was just kind of like a it's just a nothing period. Nothing really happened, no kind of notable transfers or anything. It was yeah. So I it's hard to say like, oh, Eddie Howe is the man, because he is literally the only man I've I've ever known other than yeah. the the last season with Tyndall and Woodgate. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a funny one because it, it's hard to believe that, especially that saying that you spent five years there, that in the, I think it was 2012, 2013 season, you're in League One. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just incredible and, and, a, and a very a very quick jump, I think, unless you're, uh, with all respect, a, a, a big, well-known sort of regular premiership team like Leicester or, or Southampton. Mm-hmm. That's not really been done before. And so to make that jump, was really incredible do you do you have memories of when you got promoted where did, did you manage to get to the games during that season or do you remember watching it when they went up uh to the premier league yeah yes yeah i did th- that's kind of the uh i'm gonna sound like a glory hunter but that is when i started properly going more regularly uh before that i was doing uh it's just, what a, uh i'm gonna be a real clash of interests in a moment uh before that i had a regular commitment to do musical theater training every saturday right. <laughs> which normally clashed with the games um but that's the that was my last year at the the theater company um so i started going to more bournemouth games which and it just happened to be the season we went up so uh yeah i managed to get to quite a few um watched it on telly whenever i could uh, yeah, and really, that's when I properly, properly, properly got into Bournemouth. Hmm. And were you, are you local to the area? Or were you local to the area? Were you? Is that where you grew up? Or yeah, so all my family are from. Like my nan's been supporting. My nan and my grand have been supporting since the forties. Oh, bless her! And uh, yeah, she's she's a real Bournemouth fan. Love She'll uh, be on the terraces looking for a scrap. Oh Val. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she yeah. So we, we our family's always kind of been from the Bournemouth area. Um, I probably grew up in Bournemouth till about 11 and then we moved okay. to Salisbury. 
So not too far. No, not too far at all. Um, so it's still very much your local team. You get added points for that here on Comedians Talking About Football. Um, good, good. We've not had one Man United fan from anywhere north of London yet. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's hard to find. I wonder I'm going to find a Man United fan from Manchester. Um, but uh, it's done a lot from, from what I've heard of friends who are Bournemouth supporters. Um, that it's done a lot for the area in the fact that Bournemouth hmm. were always considered this kind of League Two, League One team. I mean, at one point they nearly slipped out of the Football League altogether. Um, yeah. Around the time Darren Anderton was playing for them, what a legend! And um, then what happened is, obviously, these years in the Premier League, it's built up such a fan base there, and it does. It completely makes sense. I mean, it's, it's like you were sort of joking that it's oh, it was a glory spot I started going, but that's what happens. You know, when when a local hmm. team start playing really well. It's much better you go and support them than start watching Chelsea on the telly or Man City on the telly. So I think it's great. And it does bring in more people like yourself who may not have started off having such an interest in football, though you probably didn't have a choice, what with your Nan Val being such a fan. But it's great that you got to go down there. Not only did you get to go down when they were getting better, but you got to go and see them go all the way up to the Premier League. Mm. And I, I do. I, although it's sparse, the the games I went to, I do have programs and have been to games in League Two and One. So mm. I've got kind of like a uh, and uh, and glory hunting uh, <laughs> denial passport. With yeah, you want to uh, keep them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, exactly. I to- I totally agree. Like as much as you can, um, well. To be fair, Bournemouth, the Bournemouth fan base isn't kind of very aggressive or gatekeepy. It is. It probably lives up to a lot of the stereotypes of Bournemouth and Bournemouth fans. So I, nobody got really a lot of um, a lot of hate for uh, for being a glory supporter, unless they were moaning on the forums. In which case, somebody would be like, oh, "I remember the bloody eighties when we were doing this." <laughs> you said you, that could be you now. Say a couple of years time, if they get back from the Premier League, you can be. I was there in League Two, boy. I was yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly oh yeah but it's um it is it is good did you, did you was there much of a reaction because sometimes we had this at reading where um we were similar in the fact that we were kind of down in what was the equivalent of league two league one for a while and then we kind of went up to the premier league and in the typical fashion that you could never keep football fans happy once we we're in the premier league for a season or two we had the kind of do you know what? I actually preferred it when we were down in League One and tickets were actually affordable and things like that. Um, but I think actually Bournemouth have kept quite loyal. I mean, obviously prices are going to go up when you go in the Premier League, but it seems like it's a nice club to support. It's not one of these teams that have just pumped loads of money in and bought loads of top players and raided players from City or United or wherever. There seems yeah. to still be this sort of, you know, it seems to still be a well-run club. Is that still right? I think so. I mean, obviously, you never really know what's going on behind closed doors, but there's been no worrying whispers. A few conspiracy theories on the. I'm I'm not on the Facebook forums anymore. I, I can't stand. I can't stand the people that post in them. Uh, but even even the kind of the worst rumors were literally just people um, putting putting two and two together to make five rather than actual any worries. So I think it's okay. I, there's a few people who are a bit concerned now that maybe our owners. Um, probably going to look to leave uh, if we don't go back up. Right, I can I can believe, but at, at the moment that's not obviously promotion. Promotion is the main thing, and then we'll worry about everything else after. 
And how do you think you've been doing this season? So obviously it's going to, it's a hard season for Bournemouth because you've gone down and it's not, I think it's harder to have spent something like five or six years in the Premier League and then go down more than it is to kind of do a season and then you're back where you were. Do you know what I mean? So you can kind of be in the championship, go up and go back down again. And it, it's not always, I think if you look at like what Fulham have done, they've managed to bounce back up. And But I think when you've had that that long and then you drop, and then not only that, you, you then lose Eddie Howe as well. And obviously you've got Jason Tindall there with, um, with, with Woodgate. And you're sitting seventh at the moment, looking quite good. Got some good players there. Solanke's looking great. Um, But obviously you lost a few players on the way down as well, which always happens when you drop down to the championship. Um, Do you think they've got the power to to bounce back up? Or was that that just one generation? It's tough to say. We definitely have the squad for it. You know, when when they're playing well, this current squad can turn over any team in the league and mm. what, score goals and uh our defense is always that's been a that's been a recurring problem over <laughs> the last decade but uh we could always score loads i mean when we when we went up i think we scored like over 100 goals or something that season yeah uh it was so yeah i think we can do it it's about the confidence uh and you know i think there's a nice mix of people who are kind of newer younger and need want to establish themselves and make a name for themselves and a bunch of people who perhaps are more experienced and wanting to move on. Yeah. But, so they, they also need to put in a shift because they, they need a good transfer. So I think there's, there's surely enough will. I, I hope, I hope anyway. Certainly. And I mean, let's talk about the early days of the Premier League. Uh, mm. So we say early days, we're only talking 15, 16 season. Um, yeah. You go in, you finish 16th. Did you expect to stay up at the time? Because like you said, you scored 100 goals going up. So you had a really good attacking force at the time. I think Joshua King was your top goal scorer in that first season in the Premier League. Um, did you expect to stay up? I did, but I'm I'm a very optimistic person, I think generally, especially with football. I always expect us to win. Uh, e- even when we were facing up against... I, by the end of the five years, I was no longer expecting results from Man City. But in the early days, I was still going, <laughs> thinking, well, we could, we could, we could do something. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think I, I, I kind of believed in us. I knew we played nice football, and if we stuck to it... Um, I, w- I went to the first ever game. It, it was uh, in it was against Aston Villa. We lost 1-0 Rudiger header in the, like, the second half. Right. It was very gutting. Um, it was weird as well. It was called. It, we they did a retro day. Everyone had to go in retro Bournemouth shirts. Brilliant. But uh, the, the reason was because they hadn't got the new kit out yet. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. They were like, "Oh, it's a retro day. Don't go to the club store. Don't don't look in there." Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. Absolutely love that. And yeah, it was it was good. It was a good. You know, it, from that moment, I think it was clear that we were going to play the football we were playing in the Championship. Although, obviously, we'd have to learn to adapt. Uh, I think one of the things we never really got over was in the championship, you can have several touches in the box in the Premier League. You don't have that same luxury. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from I think from that day, from that first game, I, I thought we had enough uh, passion and skill to stay up. It's, it is good, especially when you see a team go up, survive, and with a manager um, in Eddie Howe who had never managed in the Premier League before and is still considered now to be a bit of a... A rookie. I mean, you look at some of the names of the teams where they mentioned Eddie Howe might go next. Some of them are saying, oh, he's not experienced enough to go to Arsenal. He's not experienced enough to go to Man United. You think, yeah, but this guy has come straight into football. And mm. not only did he keep them up in the league, he 
like we said before, they didn't spend crazy, crazy, crazy money on keeping Bournemouth up there. And also he played a very sort of beautifully basic style of football. And I mean that in the sense that he would play like a 4-4-2 formation. There was kind of, you had your strikers playing very old school, especially Joshua King and um, Callum Wilson. There was something very old school about the way they played. They weren't out on the wing. They weren't having to cut in. They would just get the ball and score, which I don't think many teams are doing enough of these days. Yeah, I've I've always loved Eddie's style of play. My two main criticism, or three actually, would be uh, he doesn't have he never very rarely has a plan B. He'll always keep playing in that style because he doesn't um, yeah doesn't really have a plan B for different teams. Defense has always been a little bit leaky, and uh, transfers have been dodgy. But I think you send him to a club like Arsenal, he's going to have a bunch of infrastructure around him. uh, You know. Uh, people who are more experienced who can kind of guide him. He's not so big-headed that he's going to like t- turn away all the mentorship of a more experienced heads. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, he could he could easily revitalize uh, a lot of teams, and, uh, and some some fans don't give him the respect. No, oh, fair enough. I, I, so I, I didn't realize that because, like, in my mind, the way Eddie Howe's seen as like for for a, a neutral, should we say, or just a fan of football, <laughs> he's very highly regarded, but. You forget sometimes that some that a manager's m- most criticisms come from the club they they actually manage in. So what what were the criticisms that were really coming from from fans who what as you say seemed quite unhappy with him at times? Yeah, I mean there was like a lot of discontent. I think mm. even even that season we got relegated, no one was uh, yeah. too angry with him. But yeah, there was there were certainly a kind of a recurring pattern of games that we we do badly in, and the, the recurring pattern would be slightly sloppy defenses, which fit, was fixed a little bit when Nathan Ake came in, and um, yeah, so he he definitely made a massive difference. Um, no plan B. Yeah, he'd always kind of play the full, which I really like. I kind of like that style of football, but you do need to play a little bit differently. For example, I think there was a, I can't remember whether it was in last season or the season before, but we had a 1-0 lead against Liverpool and we kept attacking. And it's just like, maybe we should throw some men behind <laughs> the ball because this is like pr- prime Mo Salah and uh, uh, people like that. So we should probably do more to hold on to that lead. So yeah, a bit of a criticism for not having a plan B. And um, yeah, obviously just, some people would very much question his transfers. But uh, for every kind of... Jordan Ibe that fails got somebody like David Brooks or indeed Nathan Ake and one of the best players he's probably signed it's a bit of a shame really because he's fallen into that into that gap now Nathan Ake where they go to a team like Man City and just get paid a lot of money to just kind of bench warm and you think Mm. come on you're such a good player I want to see more there's been a few players who've done that um over the years. I mean, Scott Sinclair did it for what could have been his prime years. Barkley, Ross Barkley did it as well. Unless he can break into the Man City team, his best years will always be at Bournemouth. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he does. I think uh, he does deserve a bigger club. Uh, I, as, mu- as much as I love Bournemouth, we are a very tiny club. Yeah. Uh, and, but he, I still think he, he could easily play week in, week out for a first team at somewhere like Leicester or Everton and, you know, play European football. Mm. Um, so, uh, well, hopefully. So, yeah, I, I think that there's options for him to step up without making such a... Yeah, it's a, it's a shame if he just spends his prime years at, on the bench. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, so speaking of, of players like that coming in, let's talk about the, the 16-17 season. So this is your, your second season in yes. the Premier League. So the, the first one you finished 16th, which I think is mm-hmm. respectable. So that you could call that maybe... I don't... I mean, you'll have to remind me because I don't remember too well. I don't think there was much of a relegation battle on your hands. There was certainly... If you're anything sort of below... 14th 15th there's always a bit of a worry but you mm. seemed kind of all right so you stay in the premier league 16th is quite respectable for a first season manager who's never done it before second season you're in there you finished ninth knocked out of yeah. the fa cup and the league cup in the third round respect um in both cases you go you stay ninth and i've got a list here of, of the players you had that season and they're just insane when you look at it i mean you had mm. Uh, Dan Dan Gosling, obviously, you know, still I, I've always rated him as a player ever since he was young. You had Andrew Sermon in there, Mark Pugh, Benica Phoebe, another player we had at Reading for a while was really, really good. Callum Wilson, Adam King, Joshua King, Lewis Cook. You had uh, Tyrone Mings there, Lewis Graben, uh, Musse, uh, Jack Wiltshire on his first loan spell, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, Jordan Ibey. And it's, it's just so many good players you had there to the point where you could actually send the likes of Glenn Murray, who was a goal machine out on loan. Um, mm. What are your memories of that season? Because that would be probably, well, it is the most successful season really in, in, in Bournemouth's history. It was, uh, it was amazing. It was a really good season that, uh, yeah, there just seemed to be a lot of hope for, you know, establishing ourselves. We were getting in a, a nice base of, uh, nice base of players, as you were saying there. And it just felt like uh, if we could get the the combination right, we we'd probably have a few, uh, a long long stint, which obviously we a fairly long stint in the end. But um, yeah, I'm, I have more my programs here actually. Every oh wow, uh, in in preparation, I thought I'd get all my my programs. Oh, love it. So let me. They should be in in year order. So let me see what what games I went to that season. I'll probably ring. Yeah, go bell. for it. <laughs> uh, uh, ring a few more bells. Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> That that season, that Benica, getting Benicophobia in was a very strange one. He because he he started off so well. I think he scored a goal like maybe on his first game, hmm. and everyone was like, "Oh, we've got we got ourselves a Premier League striker." But it just completely fell off the wagon, which was very frustrating because we had a really good song for him. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> always annoying. Uh, that's West. Oh my god, that, that's well. When we when we come to the relegation season, we'll talk about the worst game I've ever been to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's um, good. I was going to say while you're looking through them, I mean, there's some of the results that season were, were really important. I mean, getting mm-hmm. wins over like the likes of Leicester, who were at the time. Um, uh, Premier League champions. You had yes. uh, wins over uh, West Ham. I remember that being a good game, three uh, two. But the, probably the most. Oh, yes, I, I, that's that will be in here somewhere. Oh, excellent! That, that was amazing. That game. Oh my goodness! Uh, what, that was a real joy to one of uh, probably one of my favorite uh, favorite favorite ever football games. Just um, uh, I got free tickets as well because I, the, the problem is with Bournemouth Stadium is it's so small, so it's very hard to get p- tickets. It's like yeah. a it's like a points-based system. Uh, Pretty Patel would love it. But you have to, <laughs> you have to um, uh, go to games and then earn it, earn it on your account. And it, it's a bit of a catch twenty-two because if you can't, aff- if you don't have enough points to get to a t- game, you'll never earn points. But uh, the uh, the benefit is because it's such a small club. I have so many friends and family that are season ticket holders or have enough points that if they can't make a game, they will often text me and say. Do you want to come? And and that that West Ham game was was one of those occasions. Here it is, Genius Dan Assassin on the front. Hey, 
from yeah, the very it, game itself. Three two. Yeah. It was yeah, beautiful game. And another very, I'd say, popular game from that season was uh from December twenty sixteen, which was the four three win over Liverpool. And I find that quite an important game because I feel like that was the real first time. Um, I remember it was very first on match of the day. It was the game everyone was talking about then. And in my mind, it was the first time everyone went, oh, hang on. Bournemouth are really serious about this and they're mm-hmm. going to they're gonna do well. Because um, it wasn't just a, a good win over a very hard team, but it came not long after I think you'd smashed Hull like 6-1. Something like oh, that. Uh, oh, you there as well? Oh, is that that game as well? Hey, there we go. <laughs> Andrew Sermon on the front cover there. There he is. Um, so, you know, they've got this point. You you started off the season uh, really well, I think, getting some really good results. And that kind of continued through the season. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, and you obviously you finished ninth. And I, I think that's just got to be probably this season that everyone will remember the most fondly in the in the in the Premier League. A hundred percent. It it was if yeah, we felt like one of the big boys. And I think I think we still are. I mean I don't I kind of I, I'm never sure what other clubs' perception of us are, but I don't think anyone if we go back up, I don't think anyone other than a few uh, minority voices would be like, oh Bournemouth, what are they doing in the Premier League? You know they're just a boring kind of because I feel like sometimes when when West Brom go up and down they get a lot of stick for just being like filling in the numbers but I think because of that's the legacy of that season and results yeah. like that Liverpool game I don't think I think it would be unfair for anyone to criticize us of filling in the numbers no absolutely not and also you you produce so many good players as well I mean the likes of Callum Wilson um and Nathan Ecke and these players who went on to join other clubs, right or wrongly, whether they should have left or not, but certainly. And then, and of course, as well, I know we're going to keep repeating his name, but it left the legacy of Eddie Howe as well. You know, Eddie Howe will most probably be back uh, managing in the Premier League in the next couple of seasons. And I can see him staying managing in the Premier League for quite a while. So, yeah, yeah. certainly legacy left there. He's re- yeah, for for sure. And he's really young still. I think he mm. was up until that last season, he was the youngest Premier League manager. I can't remember who I think it might have been Arteta actually that just overtook him. Uh but yeah, even still now he's really young by managerial standards. I yeah, I think you're right. I think he'll have a, a long, prosperous career ahead of him and hopefully he comes back to Bournemouth as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing though. Would would you I was gonna ask that about whether you'd have him back, and I suppose it's different from experiences I've had with managers, but we had an experience with a manager who got us promoted. He was, it was similar in the similar vein of a player who'd been around the club for a long time. And eventually he kind of almost on merit became the manager. He was kind of assistant manager, then became the manager. And he was a uh, brilliant for us, got us promoted to the premier league, did us, took us uh, to a, to a uh, championship um, playoff final. The, the season before we got promoted, um, took us to an FA cup quarter final, I think two years in a row. And when he came back, it was a disaster. And do you think there's always that difficult thing of you should never go back? And if he did come back, is there a danger? Do you think it's hard? It's hard. It's a harsh question, really. Mm. I don't think the manager I'm talking about for us was Brian McDermott. I don't think it's really affected his legacy, his first mm. legacy at the club. But I think some people still sort of go, oh, he was a great manager, great manager. <sighs> Remember when he came back, though? 
And is there a danger that he might not want to ruin that legacy he had the first time around? Yeah, I think it's especially odd because it'll be his his third return, obviously, after he came back from Burnley. So, I mean, that went very well. But, you know, that went very well. That's true. Ninth (laughs) ninth in the Premier League. Third time lucky. I'm lucky I might get a European spot. Yeah. I think that's the only that's the only way you can really improve on his legacy is kind of be be competing for the European spots. It's um it's weird how his first season going from like second bottom in the uh first stint from second bottom in the whole football league mm. to promotion uh players, that kind of 40, 40 position leap. Uh, is uh, an amazing achievement, but a similar achievement for him now will be like a a three position leap in the Premier League. Yeah, something everything becomes so much harder. Uh, so I d- I don't know I don't know about his legacy. Uh, I think for nostalgia, I'd I'd like him back. Really, I think he he can do no wrong for Bournemouth fans. I think that's true. I think that that's very true. That that's very much the case of a lot of managers. Doesn't really a bit like when Kevin Keegan went back to Newcastle whether they got relegated or not, it didn't really matter. It, it's it's Kevin Keegan. And I think the same is very much Eddie Howe for Bournemouth. I think he'll always be one of the first people you think of when you think of a, a Bournemouth football club. Um, sorry, FC Bournemouth. Got that wrong. I need to remember to get that absolutely right. I know people got to get that right. People get people get very angry about... Um, every every time the league starts, they're like, they put us on B, but we're technically A. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Well, I did remember. Get very angry. I remember when uh, they started. <laughs> saw someone wind wind up a load of Arsenal fans because of the for their first season in the Premier League, they were down as AFC Bournemouth, so therefore they were they were they were first as the season starts. Everything's in mm. alphabetical order, and they were the top. And someone wrote for the first season in fifteen years, Arsenal will begin the season second as opposed to first. Wenger out, and I thought that was really <laughs> funny. <laughs> Uh, before we go on to the to the unfortunate talking about the 1920 season um uh, mm-hmm. not 1920 as in the 2019 yeah. 2020 season i wouldn't want to go back that far um, I did, I, there was a brief moment of worry <laughs> let's go back to the 1900s uh, um <laughs> so i'm gonna hit you with what we have on this show we have emergency facts where mm-hmm. to prove I've done some sort of research for your club, uh, I hit you with a fact about your football club, and you just let me know whether you know it or not. Um, so let's let's start with as we've been talking about my Vopar I made just now with the name. Uh, I'm going to throw it back at you, Andrew White, and say, uh, "Excuse me, you do know, don't you, that AFC Bournemouth isn't actually the real name? The club operates under the name AFC Bournemouth, although it's not the club's official." registered name the club was formed in the late 1800s under the name boscombe fc but later adopted the currently used afc bournemouth in 1972 the team's Mm. official registered name however is bournemouth and boscombe athletic football club the name the club is registered under since 1923 we did we went all the way back to the 1920s (laughs) Uh, yes, uh, we still chant Boscombe. Uh, when there is a corner or a dangerous free, cri- free free kick, we will chant. Well, half of the fans will chant Boscombe, and then the other half will ch- chant back of the neck, back back of the net, Boscombe, back of the net, Boscombe. I like neck. that. I never knew. I never noticed that. 
I never knew about that. Well, I suppose yeah. If if you don't know, because if you don't know the local area of Bournemouth, you, you, Boscombe's just a meaningless word, isn't it? <laughs> it sounds quite cool though, Boscombe. You know, actually, it sounds somewhere like you'd find in America, like mm. Boscombe United. <laughs> it is unfortunately uh, an absolute shithole. Uh, <laughs> not I, not I like Boscombe, LA. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely think that's why they rebranded to Bournemouth because of Boscombe kind of ended up being the divier area of the South Coast. <laughs> um, uh, hit you with another fact. See, yes, uh, you got that. That's what we have. Um, uh, this one I found very interesting because I've always wondered this. Um, AFC Bournemouth's badge features a footballer heading a ball, but although the man in the crest does not possess any predominant features and looks quite generic. The character was created in honour of the club icon, Dickie Dowsett, who had scored nearly 80 goals for the club from 1957 to 1962. So the man in the crest is Dickie Dowsett. Yes, yes, it is indeed. Before that, it was just a pair of cherries. Which <laughs> is, uh, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't mind the badge. It's, it's not... It's not uh, a a wondrous feat of graphic design. Yeah, it's quite but... it's quite modern, isn't it? It's quite um, it, it's got quite a thing about it. I mean, I mean, I don't know what Dickie Dowsett looks like. Did he have long, straight, black and white hair? Uh, uh, yeah, he actually had, he actually had dreads. It would have been cancelled nowadays. Uh... <laughs> and was no, I don't, I don't know. I don't, halfway I don't know. down his neck. <laughs> I've not spotted that before. Yeah. <laughs> That's properly, oh, he's a proper freaking nature, isn't he? <laughs> I know, I've never noticed that before. It's quite cool, though. I mean, obviously, it's supposed to be the swish, I assume, of him coming up for the head. But I thought it was very yeah. interesting that he's got a character. I think that should be the mascot. I think you should just get a completely uh, person dressed from head to toe in white with ears halfway down his neck and black <laughs> and white dreads just walking around like that with his head back. You're going to take the place. I wonder if there's a picture of him in here. There normally is in like the kids section. Yeah, Cherry Bear. That's our current mascot. Cherry, Cherry Bear. Bear. It is it... proper shit, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we've got uh, Kingsley the Lion. Uh, oh, yeah. And, yeah, we've got Kingsley the Lion, which is quite cool. Um, he's only, I think he's only kept kind of following because somebody set up a Twitter account called pervy kingsley because there was a picture of kingsley the lion having his picture taken with some women and that became the profile picture and someone's on twitter and i don't know how they've ever got rid of it it's got thousands of followers it's just a guy pretending he's kingsley the lion he's just perving over daytime tv women on the tv literally just tweet all day or kate garraway again oh wouldn't mind so to tackle this they said right we can't have kingsley look like a sexist or some sort of dare i say it male slag so what they did is they brought in <laughs> queensley the lion to keep him tamed um so now there's mm-hmm. kingsley and queensley and it's they've made it very apparent that they are a couple they yeah. are monogamous and they are together and there is no funny business so um okay. that's that, that's what they do with them i would argue that that makes the pervy kingsley account sleazier surely <laughs> <laughs> you see what they get up to when there's a goal scored i've seen kingsley and queensley get very close with each other in the middle of the match <laughs> So uh, it's a shame because I think they've missed a trick that I think if you can have more than one mascot, you're laughing. And I mm-hmm. think there's a real missed opportunity there for Bournemouth to get just two people dressed as cherries and have them sort of run around together. I and mean, it would look like a pair of red bollocks, but yes. Yeah. That is a, a, a 
but I'd still prefer have issue. a pair of bollocks as my mascot than that boiler that West Brom have got. <laughs> it's, 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 why do we have mascots? Like, that's such an American thing. Why has that happened in English football? Do you know what I think it's purely there for? And oh, it's to warm up the away fans. Have you ever seen the mascot just go past the away fans and wave to them? Uh, I have never at Bournemouth because because he looks like a children's entertainer and it would not be taken seriously. But I've seen it before and it is very effective. It is very. We have it. Oh, so they'll they'll normally go to the kids. They'll go to like the you know the family end and the kids will come forward have pictures taken. And then about mm-hmm. ten minutes before kickoff, he walks to the away fans and just goes gives them like a wave and give, blows some kisses while they'll all shout fuck off Kingsley you can't like the show. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing funnier in my mind than watching away fans get angry at a cuddly looking mascot it absolutely <laughs> cracks me up and have you ever seen while we're on the subject of mascots there's a there's a I think it's a probably an Instagram and a Twitter page of mascots during two minute silences yeah <laughs> is there anything more because now whenever i see a mascot when i go to an away game i think what would he look like during a two minute silence and mm. it is always so funny <laughs> Just and i imagine cherry bear would be very much uh a, a, a strange presence during a, a silence for any reason i don't think i don't think i've ever seen him on the pitch for a silence i think bournemouth very tactfully and like tucking him away during remembrance <laughs> which is a sad really because then on that on that day because you've got um obviously yeah cherry well, he's getting a bunch of tweets abusing going oh cherry bear where's your poppy yeah that's that's um, what you're gonna get you're gonna get oh mm. cherry bear showing no respect as usual bloody marxist that marxist yeah, yeah. cherry bear <laughs> do i haven't seen this but have do the mascots take the knee Oh my goodness! Because I don't. I, they, maybe they're not about at the moment because during lockdown with no crowds, they're not really needed. That'd be a sad thing to do, wouldn't it? With no crowd, just be a mascot stood at the side of the pitch. <laughs> the knee, quite rightfully, is not going to go anywhere, and it's mm-hmm. going to remain um, in the in the Premier League and the EFL. And I'm going to wonder whether seeing Cherry Bear get down on one knee, if that if that's going to be a thing, or, or like the West Brom boiler will get down on one it's going to be very strange <laughs> what i mean what do you if you're a boiler you don't have knees what do you what well i mean that? you don't you can't dance either really but he's breaking all the boundaries for what we expected <laughs> of what a boiler can and can't do <laughs> I, w- I wonder if he's corgi registered that's uh... <laughs> i hope so i don't want it you know, i think they should have like something that can see if there's been any sort of leak because if he's dancing around the place just letting carbon monoxide out it could be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Very dangerous. <laughs> Real tragedy. I've, well, I've Googled it. There's some like American stories, but I can't see anything in the Premier League. I assume they're not. I, know, I mean, Imagine. you've got to think Gunnosaurus has been made redundant. Which is a shame because he is the most uh, personally protected equipment person in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget. You know, uh, on BBC, they do the um, the the score updates. They give like text updates. On the sat- I remember I screenshotted it and I get it out every Christmas. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It was uh, on Boxing Day. Arsenal were losing 3-0, I think. And I just remember there was a text update and it said, Gunnosaurus has just scored a penalty against Santa in front of a disinterested crowd followed by doing <laughs> i just thought that's the saddest thing it was just a picture of gunosaurus walking off looking really sad followed by father christmas 
Um, so I've had funny. much mascot chat on this podcast, actually. I'm really glad we're finally getting down to it. Because I this think it's a genuine issue, and he's discussing. It is. It it will be. I I I think Bournemouth have stopped taking the knee. Uh, oh, I, have I they? Think, yeah, there was some club statement about how uh, uh, a lot of the players thought it was. Um, you know, they wanted to do more. They they, mm. they didn't. They they want, thought it was just a gesture. As I as yeah. I know, other other players have kind of opted out, but the whole team has opted out. Oh, okay. Or and not all. Dan Juma occasionally. It's weird. He sometimes takes an E, sometimes doesn't. Um, but yeah, so uh, I don't think Cherry Barrow unfortunately be taking the knee. Uh, right, so that's uh, <laughs> that's the mascots taken care of. Speaking of tragedy, uh, 2019-2020 season, uh, real shame. Uh, you end up getting uh, relegated. You don't see the best from your players, such as Cam. This is such a dark change, by the way. We've gone from mascots to taking the knee to mm-hmm. the relegation of Bournemouth FC. Uh, yeah. That's the kind of scope we have here on comedians talking about football. <laughs> um, so it's, it's like a bloody Parkinson interview. <laughs> isn't it? We've got plenty of time. I've been, I always think I've got plenty of time to cover as many subjects as possible. And there's me fitting in about three different things all in the space of a minute. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to ask about this because, well, first hmm. of all, you mentioned that you went to one of the first, the one of the worst games of the season. Then yeah. um, it was. Uh... West Ham away. Uh, I mean, a it it's in the London Stadium, which is just naff. Yeah. B, we we lost four nil. I it's the, I I make a point to to you know stick around for the whole game. That is the only game I've I've left early ever. Really? It it was abysmal. That we just had no. I think we had one opportunity, even near goal. It, it was absolutely awful. It. That was, I think, that was probably the game. Seeing it, because obviously when you see it live, it, it kind of hits home a bit more than just seeing the score update. Um, and yeah, that was the game. I was like, I think, I think we're in real trouble this year. Because mm. I was gonna, I was looking at the results, and it, I mean, it wasn't a very good season for you guys. Do, do you think the lockdown and the break had any impact on it? Do you think that was an opportunity to turn things around? Because you hadn't had the best start to the season. You were down the bottom by the time. Um, the season went yeah. went into a hiatus, but I mean, you you went from I think it was no, early November, yeah, ninth of November till the eighteenth of January. You had only won one game. I mean, to be fair, it was against Chelsea, mm-hmm. but you'd only won one game and drawn one game. The rest you'd lost. So you were you were having a bit of a hard time, bit of a turnaround at the beginning of the year. Wins against Brighton and Aston Villa, a couple of losses. Then you end up going into into uh, a lockdown. Do you mm. think there was a was there a feeling there that there was still time to do the great escape? I mean, to be honest, let's be honest. I mean, Eddie Howe has done more incredible things. Mm. Were you optimistic coming up when things opened up again? Um. Well, when we went into lockdown, there was a great debate amongst Bournemouth fans about the exact interpretation of cancelling the league. Uh, if if they use one finishing model, then we'd stay up by like half a point. And if they used a different interpretation of the finishing model, then Watford would stay up and we'd go down by half a point. And I just think that whole attitude was kind of a little bit of our, our undoing, like debating the minutiae of whether we could stay up or on a technicality. You know, we should have just kind of been... Everyone should have been, I mean, not, 
uh, politically and medically, I don't know whether people should have been calling for the re- for renewal of the league. I'm I'm not uh, a medical expert, obviously, mm. but in terms of attitude, I think people should have wanted a second second bite at the cherry. Excuse the the phrasing there. Nice. Uh, yeah. So w- w- whether they wanted it uh, like legally and medically, I think in terms of uh, having the opportunity, I-, I think we really should have been as a whole club, fans and everything should have been hoping that we had a chance to to regroup and start again. And it did start to happen. I think we had a really good result against Leicester. That's um, it, yeah. 4-0, I think, wasn't it? Or... Mm, that was like a real... T- and that was like Solanke's, one of Solanke's uh, first proper goals for the club. Yeah. And that if if that was the first game back, I reckon we would have stayed up. But as it was, I, th- I think we went to Crystal Palace and... Uh, no, Crystal Palace came to us and we were... Uh, we, we, were, we were just pathetic. If so, we we left the comeback just far too late. Mm. No, it was it was a shame. It's it's nice as well because it wasn't like you you were down and out. I mean, you you went down by one point under Aston Villa, and I think a lot of people thought Aston Villa were done. And you know, I think they thought their season was very much over, and that's what might have kept you safe. But they seem mm-hmm. to have a bit of a better restart um, than than you guys. But then, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of it, but there is the controversy over was it an Aston Villa goal and the against Sheffield it United was, it was a Sheffield United goal yes it against that that wasn't given because Hawkeye uh just was, didn't work mm-hmm. it was some really rare like one in a million chance that every angle possible for Hawkeye was blocked and uh, they didn't give the goal to Sheffield which would have taken two points off Villa which would have hmm. stayed kept us up yeah and ultimately it was West Ham that sent us down because yeah. on that last game, those last games of the season, we put in an amazing performance against Everton, like exactly what we needed to do. Uh, really great result. And all we needed was West Ham to score, just to score against Villa. And um, they didn't, they didn't care. They, why would they care? You know, they were safe. Mm. They didn't have anything to play for. They just saw out a nil-nil draw and uh, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't enough. Yeah. <sighs> And then, obviously, the championship. And obviously, you haven't been able to go to a game this season. But how have you found the start to the championship for for Bournemouth? Up and down. At the beginning, I really thought, like, boom, we're getting back out there. Tyndall's got to prove, you know, he wants to prove himself. Mm. Let's do this. It's still... so We often have a dip in form around January, February time. That's That's quite common in the the life cycle of Bournemouth to, to have that little dip. So I was expecting, I was expecting us to have a little bit of a dip. I don't know why. I don't know what's the psychological or mm. just pure coincidence, but I'm always prepared for a little bit of dipping form, but that, that it just came a little bit too early. It, it came uh, just before uh, Christmas really. And that, yeah. yeah, it was, we're recovering now with Woodgate in charge. We're, I just I find it very frustrating because clearly by some of our performances we can we can turn over any team in this league. I mean yeah. the the discrepancy between our first game against Reading and the second game against <laughs> yeah. Reading is just absolutely crazy. Well, our our first game we won came back from two 0 down was it or two? Can't remember. We were two 0 we down, down. Yeah, it was two 0 down. And yeah, we came by half time. Four, but yeah, we came back to win four two, which was just like. That, wow that's an amazing result it was and then, for you um, yeah. you just yeah for us <laughs> and then you just trounced us you, a second game second game of the season you just completely trounced us they call it revenge so. month the old month of january <laughs> um but yeah i mean yeah i mean i, I think 
I was going to ask about when Eddie Howe went. Did you have someone in mind who you wanted to come in as manager? Would you have liked someone at this point to have been experienced, someone like a Chris Hutton who's got experience of getting teams straight back up into the Premier League? Would you want to go for them for quite a big name? Or were you happy for them to go similar to how they've done before with a, with letting someone who's got history at the club get themselves involved? I was happy to give Tyndall a chance. I, I wasn't too aggrieved with that. I didn't... Uh, some some people saw it as kind of like a, a lack of ambition, but I think you know he, he he's been there for as long as Eddie, and he's served exactly the same time as Eddie uh, throughout all of our previous achievements. So I think he I think he deserved that opportunity. My main annoyance is when they gave it to Woodgate. Not no, I like the man. I think he's doing an all all right job, but uh, that is the point. I think maybe we should have got Omri Terry Omri. I would have loved. Terry Omri would have been quite amazing. Wouldn't it? Yeah, he would have been so cool. Um, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this now, um, which I ask all of all my guests, and that is yeah. to put together a five-a-side team. Yeah. Uh, and that five-a-side team are of Bournemouth players, but that's just not that's not going to pick Callum Wilson. I don't want, mm-hmm. you know, Joshua King and all this lot. What I want is a cult like yeah. of players, maybe players who never quite got their chance at Bournemouth, maybe players who have been completely forgotten by generic football fans and maybe even some Bournemouth fans. So in your yeah. lifetime, of you supporting Bournemouth, the games you've been to, teams you've seen, like five players, so obviously one goalkeeper and the rest of the outfield players completely up to you. Um, and I'd like you, yeah, let's uh, put together a team of cult-like Bournemouth players. Five side. Mm-hmm. In goal, I would I would like to go, he's not, I'd like to go Arthur Boric. Okay, Arthur Boric. So I was hoping for um, Mr. Adam Federici, who made a maximum, I think, three appearances <laughs> for Bournemouth. He left He left Reading after had a howler in the FA Cup's uh, semi-final and just thought, I can't do this anymore. I, I really felt felt for him in that game. He played so well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, he, I, I got a soft spot for Adam Federici because he liked one of my Instagram posts once. <laughs> oh, did he? Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. But um, it would be Boric. Uh a because we we never we've never had a particularly strong goalkeeping um, with Neil Moss, uh, who is now the current goalkeeping coach. Mm. He's probably like the, the got the most legacy. Uh, but in terms of actual good goalkeepers, there we'd never really had anyone reliable on the sticks for the last 10, 15 years until Boric came along. And some of the performances he put in were amazing. He got fully into the culture of the club. Mm. Him, uh, he, he uh, when we went to the promotion parade uh lining the streets he was just absolutely properly loved he was on loan he was on loan oh, that brilliant. Day, i think yeah and he was just properly into it and i'm so glad he stayed and um I'm, yeah he's been with us for ages now mm-hmm. uh big big pole in our goal we, we like we love arte so he'd be my love goalie it. cool and you've got four outfield players mm-hmm. now i'd like uh i would if i was trying to pick the best team i think i'd put ake okay and I think he's got a bit of a uh, a well loved status, but I think cult wise, it has to be Tommy Alfick. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was the, our captain through the promotion season, and I think for a, I can't remember when he left. Actually, one or two seasons in, he left us. Um, uh, and yeah, he's just uh, he's a proper legend. He, he's he's got a massive mural somewhere in I can't remember where it is now, but it, there's a painting of uh, him in the town. He's that kind of well loved. He had this Brilliant. weird ritual 
everyone would uh, huddle in the middle of the pitch and he'd like go put his head on the um, goalpost. I don't know either way to say a prayer or something like that, but the whole team would be huddling and he'd be have his head on the, the, the goalpost. Oh, really? so if, you see, if you see team photos from the Elphick years, there's only 10 players in them. Oh, wow. It's, it's just everyone in the Elphick's off doing his, his pre-match ritual. <laughs> That's interesting. Never knew that. Um, so there's got Tommy Elphick in there as well. Um, I wonder if he still does that at Huddersfield. I don't know whether he still does it or not, but maybe it was just a thing. Yeah, that's Bournemouth. a good question, actually. I feel like it's a, a Bournemouth thing, but I don't maybe. know. Maybe. So we've got three more players to go. Mm-hmm. So Mark Pugh. Mark Pugh, He's definitely right? getting a look in. Yeah. He's uh, he's commentating now. He's He's, been, he is, he's done a couple yeah, of games yeah. for Solon, which I like. Cool. Um, He's just a legend. Uh, I think a lot of people got confused whenever his name got read out in the pre-match. Um, so he was like, representing AFC Bournemouth and everyone would cheer. And then when it got to Mark Pugh, everyone would go, Pugh! <laughs> but all, all the rival fans just thought we were booing. <laughs> some p- poor guy who's had so much controversy in his life and we just boo at the very mention of his name. It's like that, um, were you saying boo Ernst thing? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you saying poo, boo or pew? <laughs> I was saying pew. Brilliant. Excellent, Mark uh, Pugh. Mark Pugh. Now, if we're going f- for another midfielder, mm-hmm. I'd like to go current player uh, Jefferson Lerma. Okay, yes. We all love Jefferson Lerma. But I'm, I'm going to have two strikers instead. Go for it. And the two strikers are Brett Pittman and Jan Kermigant. Oh, Yanka. I was hoping you'd say Jan Kermigan. We didn't get Adam Federici there, but Jan Kermigan. Yeah, absolute legend. Uh, fantastic player. Absolutely loved him. Obviously, he was a huge part of you guys going up. He massively helped us in the season he was at Reading. But, I mean, he has got like a, again, he was he was kind of during the seasons where you started to really rise and be taken seriously as contenders for getting promoted. He was right at the forefront of that. Mm-hmm. He he was um, he was a massive part of that. Well, I mean, that whole promotion we're winning team. I think if you take out any of them, it it kind of starts to fall apart. Yeah. But yeah, he, without his goals um, and some of his free kicks, especially, mm. uh, yeah, we we wouldn't have got anywhere. And there, there's still like I I used to run uh, a Twitter account called AFCB Daily, and I just tweet about Bournemouth every day and run the games and stuff. Uh, I think I ran that until I was about 15. And oh, I was, really? I mean, it's still, it's still live. If you want to go follow at AFCB Daily, it's, it's not been updated in years. Um, but I remember tweeting a photo of Jan Kermigan. He had Player of the Month. He was in his Reading kit, Championship Player of the Month. And it just got hundreds of, like, I mean, not hundreds, but loads of likes just mm. because Bournemouth fans still really loved him. Uh, my nan absolutely adored him. And we got her number 18 on the back of her shirt, which is Kermigan's number. Uh, and instead of Jan Kermigan, we got Nan Kermigan. Oh, <laughs> I love it. That is amazing. Absolutely love that, Andrew. Nan Kermigan. That's amazing. Oh, man. I'm cutting that out and sending it straight onto Twitter. Straight away. That's going to win, <laughs> man. That's fantastic. <laughs> Comedians talking about football. You've um, actually been very busy, I'd say, during lockdown. Even today, you were talking about you've done various um, bits and bobs online. I saw you were doing um, uh, David Hoare's morning Twitch show. Mm-hmm. And David Hoare, big fan of him here. He does the theme tune to Comedians Talking yeah, About I Football. Yeah, I love this theme tune. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? 
So, uh, yeah, I've seen you doing that. And obviously you've been doing gigless as well. Yes, yeah. And that's been a huge part of your lockdown. It's been uh, a massive part of my life, of my new friendships, uh, a massive chunk of my income. It's, uh, yeah, I, I got quite lucky. So again, it got David Hall to thank, really. He was the kind of the go-to comedy tech for Zoom shows and he stuff. Was, he yeah, lots, yeah. Of, lots of work with Stuart Goldsmith. And it, it got to a point where he was doing all of them. And um, uh, I was quite friendly with him and had done like a couple of online projects. And he said, well, Catherine Bohart wants to do a new show. Uh, I can't tech it, but you're, A, it's a queer focus show and you're gay. Uh, and B, I know you've got the technical ability. So he trained me up on how to stream and Zoom and stuff. And uh, yeah, I've been running weekly since July and doing all sorts of other kind of online stuff, all kind of just from that David Hoare uh, tutoring session. Yeah, he's very good. He's doing loads, as we said. And it's great that obviously you, you, you've been involved as well. And a congratulations as well. I saw you won a Chortle Award for Lockdown Legends. Yeah, that was so cool. It was, um, I was never expecting to ever get it was a, be- a really it's a really lovely community and i love seeing everybody every week but to uh, get kind of get like industry recognition as well is, it feels really cool definitely definitely and um how have you found the online gig because i would say that you're one of the acts we've we've no i should say it's been shocked i don't think we've ever actually met andrew although i don't think so no, no although I've... we've been on the southwest circuit the both of us hmm. predominantly i don't think we've ever we've ever really met um but um for, from what i've seen because i've seen lots of your clips obviously i follow you on tiktok and you've got some and congratulations on that because some of your excellent um shall we say bits have gone mm-hmm. on to be very popular on there and i watched your full show last week on youtube oh, wow. absolutely loved it absolutely brilliant show um i love anything i love a show with something a little bit extra in and examples and stuff so you've got and it's it's online now and it is mm-hmm. still free to access isn't it yep totally free to access it is just a case of uh if you youtube um andrew white comedy uh, andrew white stand-up it should just come straight up as the full show yes yeah it should well thank you so much for watching i really appreciate it oh no it's it's really good and it's great to see that those clips that you've you've cut out and and put online have, have done so well um and i would say that you are one of these acts who during lockdown have gone from strength to strength to keep your you know your career going and your, your material out there and i think that's a really really hard thing to do um so you know it, it's great and what what have you got many more projects coming up for the remainder of lockdown and have you got plans for when things open up again yeah uh definitely for things when things open and back up again i'm, I'm hoping to i used to run quite a, a, a few in real life nights mm-hmm. and from september i'm going to hopefully get back to doing that again properly um with i think with a new passion i think uh lockdown's kind of really made me realize how i mean for various reasons um there's not always niceness on the circuit um the payment issues shit gigs and it just kind of made me realize how much i love this and how much i love the circuit so i think i want to create more nice spaces that actually pay people and give them an audience so i'm going to do that after lockdown and then in the meantime just we're carrying on gigless every week uh and i'm probably just going to start slowly winding in the other online projects Uh, i'll keep keep my hand in on for tiktok and uh, yeah uh, things here and there but uh, i probably won't have the same uh full online diary that i did a month or two ago and in regard, obviously you do a lot of uh, the running of the gigs and you've been running stuff as we said such as gig lesson doing lots of tech stuff and it does take a lot of time to do 
Mm. Have you had much time to think about another show? Is that something you, you want to work towards, whether it be 2022, or do you think we'll just get back in the gig and then carry on? It, I do have a new show. I had, I had a brand new show that I was starting to preview. I think I did my first preview like early March last year right, in Bristol. Okay. And then that show has, well, it was a bit of a roller coaster of a show, really. It was kind of about my mum's, uh, this is, I've, done, I've never told anyone this. Uh, it was about my mum's uh, can- cancer battle oh, okay. and her surviving it. Right. Um, and then Edinburgh got cancelled and the whole show kind of got shelved. And then her cancer came back like even worse. And it was, it was yeah, the whole show was basically irrelevant, which, the least of our worries but you know still it was uh uh quite a, a horrible time oh, and then to hear that. um yeah it was uh yeah it was tough but he she has despite uh a, a bad diagnosis is uh now touch wood cancer free again oh brilliant so uh yeah it was uh, emotionally a very weird year oh, and that. i've decided uh, to not write any show like that until there's been like a few years grace period <laughs> so i've started working on a brand new um non-health of my family dependent show <laughs> <laughs> oh man well i'm glad to see your mother's doing okay i mean especially after Thank what's you. been a, you know obviously we know what the year's been like with covid but it's really been affecting um cancer patients as well it's been it's been really hard mm. um so yeah so glad to hear she's doing well um how about in the summer did you manage to get back to gigging i mean, it's f- so funny saying that word you said just now in real life gigs it's kind of a, yeah. a, a common oh you're doing any irl shows uh you know <laughs> so uh, in the summer did you get many irl shows in a few i think um it's weird i so i'm, I'm getting my all my tax return i i've I, one of my favorite things is spreadsheeting so um, i'm i i input my income as i go so i can pretty much do my tax return whenever and i was looking at my mileage for this year as we come to the end of the tax year compared to last year and it is like twelve thousand, like less it's um uh it, even more i might i might be getting that number wrong uh but yeah it's just absolutely crazy how few gigs i've managed i I think three four maybe i got in in the in the summer just because every there was so much competition uh i I was i felt i didn't want to take loads of gigs on i felt quite lucky to have the online stuff still ticking over so it felt i did a few kind of um more open spotty things but i I felt it felt a bit wrong taking uh, loads of paid work i mean i had some new material but i think i did i just slipped back into kind of my old routines mm. and uh uh the the quality of gigs i was doing because of the so some of them had to be outdoors and socially distanced uh it, it probably wasn't a, a be a good judge of new material anyway um yeah i think i think that period was a, i think a lot of people um did i think i expected to hit the ground running being like yeah oh, freedom we're gonna smash everything yeah um i, I certainly did i did i thought you know, i thought it was gonna be like a, a triumphant return mm. and i think it was a, a, a bit more of a uh baby steps thing than i than it than i wanted i feel more i feel like i'm more prepared for the second reopening Same. because of learning from the first re- as you oh yeah as you're saying you've got a, a new a- appreciation of not only having it taken away and then coming much like Eddie Howe's career in, in a way <laughs> <laughs> taking away, then coming back then taken away again. Exactly. It's going to, it's exactly that, isn't it? It's, it's going to feel like this is going to be his second return to mm. Bournemouth. Yo. And that's the, and that's the premier league season. So <laughs> we're going to the, we're going to the top, Sam. 
Well, I know you certainly are, man. You've done fantastic work. Your show was absolutely brilliant. If you are listening to this, I will put a link into it as well when we uh, when we when we put out the um, the podcast and uh, and hopefully we can finally meet when things open yes, up again as yeah, well, do a really gig lovely. together or something. Um, but for now, Andrew, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, comedians talking about football. Uh, I really pre- oh, oh, I better hit you with one more emergency fact before we go. Yes. Um, while you get that up, I just want to say thank you. It's been it's been a real pleasure uh, to to talk football with somebody who isn't uh, my my parents who aren't necessarily football switched on, or my grandparents who are football football switched on, but football switched on to the seventies. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, we'll do. It's been well, lovely. That's perfect because we're going to do one more with a fact from the seventies. So uh, after wearing, this is about the the shirts and the and the um, the design. So after wearing red shirts for the majority of their existence, the club switched to the red and black stripes in the early nineteen seventies. The new look was based on popular Italian club AC Milan, who are known for their black and red striped jerseys. And that's interesting because the last guest we had on was Maisie Adam, who's a Leeds mm. fan, and it turned out they only started wearing white because Don Revy wanted them to be the Real Madrid of Yorkshire. So I like that in the seventies they are that no one in England knew of these other clubs elsewhere in the world they could just come back and nick their kits like, like in the 1700s when like people were bringing back potatoes yeah. like, oh, just, just invented these potatoes <laughs> was like, well, red and black is a new colour scheme that have been invented especially by Bournemouth oh man oh, it's exactly that exactly that absolutely love it so there's, there's the final fact for you from the 1970s for Bournemouth and I want to leave you on this which is uh, to say thank you for coming on um, from that infamous uh, season uh, where you finished ninth I've got you a shirt from that season to send over to you oh my um, goodness you actually yeah yeah this is just why I know it's, for some reason the light's reflecting weirdly here at the Vitality so you can't see yeah, <laughs> this is the uh, the shirt I panicked for a minute when you came on because I thought you were wearing the same shirt but no, no this no, is from this is... the season after so that is the I think you can just about see it there um, so I'll get yeah. that address from you get that sent over to you as a thank you for oh my goodness really thank you so much Sam oh I feel like I've just on bullseye a... <laughs> <laughs> I had a lovely time Jim thank you <laughs> Huge thanks once again. I wonder how they get on Bournemouth. Uh, I should probably record two two outros to this. So, first of all, uh, well done, Andrew, on predicting that Bournemouth would go up to the Premier League. Fantastic, mate. Well done. Really well done. Uh, Great chatting with you. Uh, and also, um, well, wasn't that embarrassing for Andrew White? <laughs> All that optimism. They went 1-0 up against Brentford, then lost 7-1 on aggregate. Embarrassing, mate. Oh, stick to the comedy. Uh <laughs> Uh, no, uh, th- thanks very much, Andrew, for coming on. You should all follow Andrew White, by the way, on um, on social media. He, like us, he keeps it simple by having the same um, handle across all social media sites, which is at StandUpAndrew. Um, do follow him on there. He's brilliant on TikTok. Uh, he does these brilliant sketches where he plays his mum and dad. And they get me every single time. Um, and uh, he's part of the Gigless team. I think that might still be going on for a little while. Obviously, they've won uh, a Lockdown Legends Award from Chortle. So be sure to check them out if they're still going. Uh, if not, I'm sure the videos are still going to be available on YouTube or Twitch somewhere. 
next episode is all about Rotherham with Jonathan Elston. Uh, it's going to not be as much as an optimistic chat, shall we say. And we recorded it the day before they were relegated. So something to look forward to there. <laughs> In the meantime, as I said, you can give us a follow on social media. Uh, follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Same handle, at ComTalkFootyPod. We're going to play out with the same tune we heard at the beginning. A little treat for you AFC Bournemouth fans. It's uh, Your Chan, as covered by the brilliant Minnie Birch. Go and check out her album. It's called You're Not Singing Anymore. It's got various football songs, football chants covered by her in her own unique way. It's a fantastic album. Thank you so much for letting us use your song for this episode. So playing us out, Minnie Birch. Already had a dream at minus 17 we had no monies we brought the players on loan oh we play from the back with pace and attack he went to burnley but then he came back oh and he had a dream with minus 17 we had no monies we bought the players on loan Oh, we play from the back with pace and attack. He went to Burnley, but then he came back. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply